Father, we come before you this morning because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful. We stand amazed that you have invited us literally to crawl up in your lap because you want to be known as our daddy, our Abba. And you want us to have a deep relationship with you. Not a formal one. We're reminded of Enoch in the Old Testament who just walked with his heavenly father. Lord, may our lives reflect our walk with you. We ask you to bring to mind and to show us how to worship you. How to share the name of Jesus with come in contact with. Where we might be seen as your children. We're a needy people. We have many things to bring before you. And the reason we do that is because you told us to. And so, Lord, we lift up and praise you for Jan Hare's brother Terry's surgery that was successful yesterday. We praise you and thank you for Myra Salter's granddaughter, Tatina, who they finally have a diagnosis as to what's causing her, her illnesses. We pray for the folks from Renastia Church of, of Romania that are in the Ukraine today, ministering to those there in the Ukraine that need loved and lifted up. We lift up our, our brothers and sisters in the Sahel and pray, Lord, for them. We know that they put their lives on the line every single day to proclaim the name of Jesus. And Lord, that many of them are being taken home as a result of standing firm. We continue to pray for Walter Carter, who's recovering from his stroke. We pray for Lynn Keener's brother, Gerald, who's back in the hospital. We continue to pray for Scott and Debbie Broderick's grandson, Briggs. He's a toddler who's they're not sure what's causing the seizures that he has. But you know, because you're the great physician. Praise you for uh, Ken Elliott, a captive who's been taken prisoner in Burkina in 2016. Lord, we don't know if he's alive or dead, but you do. Okay, and we know his commitment to you and his witness for you was strong. We pray for several of our members, Lord, that have got gray hair. I know I've got some. That are dealing with the issues of growing older. And Lord, we pray that you would give them strength and stamina. You know, it's hard when your calendar is more full of doctor's appointments than social events. And Lord, we pray that you would give them grace and that you would give wisdom to their doctors. We especially lift up Daphne Wright, who's been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danos Syndrome, and pray that you would provide uh, knowledgeable medical care to her. And we lift up especially Margaret Madsen today, that you would lift her up and bring her joy today. We pray for our pastor and his family who are off today and pray that you would undergird them and give them joy as well. And Lord, when we leave this place, 
may we remember that the church is not over. Our real work is done, begins at the back door. Go with us now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? It's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Amen. All right, well, um, we've got a few announcements, but before we jump into those, um, any children that have not gotten checked in for kids worship, parents, if you would go with them to the back to make sure that they get checked in, and if you've already been checked in, kids, y'all can head on to the back to be dismissed for y'all's time of worship. Um, and so it's great to get to worship with them, and now they get to have their own time of worship upstairs. And so we've got a few announcements this morning. Um, one of the things is that coffee ministry starts back on September 4th in the backstage, just right here behind me. Um, and they're going to have a biscuit bar from 9 to 10.20 a.m. And so that will only be on uh, September the 4th, next Sunday. And so come early for that. Come and just enjoy a time of fellowship before we come in here to worship. Um, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, Sunday evening kids ministry begins uh, September the 11th. So next Sunday, or the Sunday after Labor Day, they'll get kicked back off. And then September the 18th, if you've got your piece of paper, you can be following along with me on this. September the 18th is a big day, um, and so we have got um, baby and child dedications. One of the greatest things that's over this past year is just seeing all the babies that we've got and young children, and it's just been amazing. I've got one of my own, and so it's just been, uh, we've been blessed, and so we just want to have a time just to be able to give them back to the Lord, and so we'll have that on September the 18th, and you may be thinking, we've got a lot of babies. Uh, how are we going to get all of them in on one day? And so we've actually got two days. So we've got September the 18th and October the 16th. Um, but also on September the 18th, if you um, have thought about maybe uh, becoming a member here at Fellowship Bible Church, we've got a meeting for that that will, um, a membership lunch where you can just come and learn more about what it means uh, to be a part of this body. Um, and so then also we have got softball in the fall. And so over the summer, uh, Josh Owens kind of headed up a softball team for us and it was great. If you were a part of it, it was a great time just to get to know more people inside the church, just to have some fun competition. And so we are looking to do that in the fall. But the sign-ups um, are ending this week, and we need a few more players. And so if you are 16 and above, just get with Josh Owens, um, and that way we can get you signed up for, uh, for softball. And so uh, I'm not Tim. Uh, my name is AJ. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm just excited to open up the word with you guys. And I'm just really excited about our youth. We kick off tonight, and so we will be in the youth room from 5.30 to 7.30. But the reason uh, why I'm so excited to kick off youth is because of the summer that we've had with our youth. Our summer has been insane. If you were at our congregational meeting last week, you got to hear a little bit about it. And I just want to tell us even a little bit more. So I've got a few pictures um, of some of our group pictures from camp. And so I think we've got our first one. This was uh, our middle school camp where we went up to Covenant College, and uh, it was awesome. Got to go up there. We partnered with Christ Church Presbyterian and uh, went up with their group, and it was just amazing. We got to go up there with just a bunch of middle schoolers from all over the United States, and when you get a bunch of middle schoolers together, you're just bound to have a good time, and it was awesome. Um, we got to learn about uh, just the gospel, and it was, uh, the, the emphasis was that, that we are sheep. And that we act like sheep. And middle schoolers know that they act like sheep. And that we all wander around and we do things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. And we get ourselves into trouble. Um, and that we need a shepherd. 
And that even more than that, we need the good shepherd. And that we can know that we have the good shepherd because the good shepherd uh, lays down his life for his sheep. And, and so it was just a beautiful week just to see the Lord just working in middle schoolers' lives. And y'all, when you've got that much energy and then you just have the Lord working in their midst, it just makes it even better. And so that was our middle school camp. And then in July, we went up to Fort Bluff in Dayton, Tennessee. Um, and this was a middle school and high school trip. And so we took three middle, uh, three middle school guys and then we took three high school girls. And so it was a lot of fun. And uh, we went up there, and the, the emphasis there was that every story matters. And so throughout the week, we just looked at different stories inside the Bible. We looked at, at great ones where we saw great faith. But then we also looked at stories where people messed up. Um, and, and we were just able to identify with that, where we have, we have good moments in our lives, and we have some moments where we make mistakes, and just how, because of Jesus' story, all those things can be redeemed. Um, and so it was just awesome. But the last one that I wanted to show you guys was our mission trip. This was something that was, was really special. We went to Phoenix, Arizona um, to go serve with Go10 Ministries uh, with Micah and Jordan Smith. Um, and uh, John and Liz, Micah's parents are here in the church, and uh, her dad's an elder here. But we went to Phoenix, and we went and served uh, refugees in that area. And so this was our group. It was a high school group. And it was just really it was awesome. I mean, just to go and to see that the Lord had brought the world to us, to go that he had brought unreached people groups into our country to where we could minister the gospel to them freely um, was something that was absolutely amazing. But one of the really um, just cool things about it was where we got to serve. And so the next picture shows this, okay? That is a playground. There is no grass because we're in Arizona, and it is all rocks, okay? And so this was a huge apartment complex, and this is where all the kids would come together and, and play. And so what we had the opportunity to do was to partner with Go10, and you can kind of see on the far side, there's a group of kids over there, and Go10 had rented out an apartment. And in there, we did school for the kids um, two of the days that we were there. And so we got in there, and we had a plan, and this apartment was tiny. And so they had three different rooms. You had a side room, a main room, and another side room on the other side. And we had school with them. Um, and so it was great. We had a bunch of kids show up, and then our kids' worlds just got rocked. Um, we had about like 30 or 40 kids that showed up, and they weren't perfect kids. And so they were, um, they were kids that, that, uh, that didn't really show too many nice manners. Uh, they were quite disrespectful uh, they did not want to listen to you at all. You had to just wrangle them to keep them inside the rooms. And, y'all, it was hard. I mean, it was really hard. And we had them for, um, for a little over an hour and taught them three different subjects, having them rotate throughout the rooms. And we got done with that first day. And I remember we were walking back to the van, and I looked back at the kids, and it was just blank, blank faces. I mean, just absolutely just stunned at what they had just encountered. Um, and I told them that's what they get to look forward to as parents. But um, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, the kids, I mean, I was, I was legit concerned for them uh, because I was just worried that, I mean, they had just gotten smacked in the face with ministry, and, and it was really hard, and they knew that they were going to have to come back um, just two days from then. And so I was just extremely worried about it, and I just was scared that the kids just weren't going to be in it for the rest of the week because of what had happened that day. And, and so throughout the week, we were going through First Peter, and we were just taking it a chapter a day. And so we would get up in the mornings, and we would read a chapter, have a quiet time, go throughout our day, and then we would discuss it that night. 
and each of the kids and some of our leaders would take turns leading that. And so going through there, there was a verse that we went across. I mean, it was 1 Peter 4.19, and it's one that, that I remember us talking about it, but it's also one that we've uh, been going through in our men's group, Every Man a Warrior. And it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator and continue to do good. Let me read that one one more time. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator and continue to do good. And I just remember thinking about that verse as, I, as we were back, and I remember us talking about it, uh, but our kids had a decision. I mean, to either fold and just say, hey, we don't want to do anything like that ever again throughout the rest of this week, or they could trust the Lord. And so we had a day in between. We served them on a Tuesday. We had a day um, that we were doing some other things on Wednesday, and then we would go back on Thursday. And on Wednesday, we were able to do some training with the, with the Go 10, and where we were able to learn more about these kids that we were serving, learning more about their stories. And then that night, we watched a movie called The Good Lie. And The Good Lie is a movie that I would absolutely recommend to anybody, because it tells the story of refugees. Um, and so we were able to learn about this, this uh, group of refugees, there was four of them, um, just about their journey from their country being war-torn and the opening scene being them out in the fields and all, the all of a sudden the soldiers coming in and killing their families and them just having to flee, just all the kids. Them journeying all across their country, going to the north border, realizing that it had been compromised and then having to travel hundreds of miles to the south border and several of their siblings dying along the way. Um, and then them getting to a refugee camp and then being there for years, just in this camp where they just had the minimum resources, and then finally being selected to go to the United States, and then once they got there, they were separated. And then learning just how to just live in the United States, living in a different country, learning how to deal with all the mental uh, psychology of just what they had been through, because if for so long they had just been running, and then once they didn't have to anymore, it was hard for them to just think through everything that they had gone through. And y'all, by the end of the movie, there wasn't really a dry eye in the place. Um, and it was just neat to see that the Lord was just using his scripture, that he was using our context of ministry, and then using a movie like that. And it was just like a greenhouse for growth for our students. I mean, just seeing their attitudes change, seeing their hearts change, and then they were ready to go back on Thursday. And so as we got in there, it was the same kids, y'all. It was rough. They were still disrespectful. They were still not wanting to hang out inside the room. They were still yelling at us. But it was so amazing to just see our students go with it. Because no longer were they just saying these kids were bad, but they were saying, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. I've seen, I've seen I can't understand fully, but I've seen a, a glimpse of where you've come from, the battles that you've gone through. And so it's just, it was so amazing just to see that. And just to see our kids just working through that, um, during that trip and just seeing their hearts just being turned on for the for the loss and it was amazing that the lord even worked in the midst of all of that too um we had kids that would come that were raised in muslim households that we were able to have conversations where they had previously been just really hostile to any conversations with any of their leaders we were able to just sit in the floor and, and open up the bible and just read stories and talk to them about jesus and they were open to it just asking questions because I think in their minds, they just wanted to give us their best punch just to see if we were just going to leave. And then once we stayed and actually loved on them, it was just amazing to see how the Lord was just opening up so many relationships. And so it was just absolutely amazing. And so just thinking about that throughout this summer, it just gave me um, just 
a simple reminder of what ministry and following Jesus is all about. Going into dark places and taking the light of Christ there and loving people just like Jesus did. And that's what our students did this summer when they were down in Phoenix. That's what they did at all the other camps. And so it's got me really fired up because that's what I want us to do now. I'm fired up about youth ministry because I want us to just do that um, with all of our kids, for all of our kids to get excited about the mission that Jesus has called them to. But not all of them were there, and not all of them will be able to go on some of these trips. And so what do we do with that? How do we do that? It's easy for us to say, let's get pumped up about taking the gospel to all these different people. Let's get out there and show them Jesus. It sounds really good when we're in here, right? But then we leave, and then our students, they go to their class. They go to their sports teams. They go to their friends. They go to where it's hard. It's easy to say it right now, but when the rubber meets the road and they're stepping into those um, situations, it's hard. And so what do we do? And that's what I'm excited for us to do this morning, is that we're going to look at the person of Jesus. Because that's a, that's a passion that I really have, is because I want our students to know what it means to follow him, to know who he is, and to look at the Bible and to look at the way that he interacts with different people and how he loves them well, and then what we can learn from that. And so if you would, open up to Mark chapter 7, 31 through 37, and that's where we're going to begin our time together. So Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. As you turn in there, it says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought, him, uh, brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. So Jesus has been on a journey, and this is a journey that's actually kind of a horseshoe-shaped journey that doesn't make a lot of sense. It says that he returned from the region of Tyre and then went through Sidon going um, north, and then he started to move east to the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis. And so when you start to look at a map, if you've got a map in the back of your Bible, this would be a great time to look at it. Um, because there's a lot of, it's just neat to just to put all of this together. So in the areas that he was traveling, it says that it was over 100 miles of distance that he has been traveling, just in those few sentences, 120 miles. And so John, um, is the one, John Mark is the one that is writing the Gospel of, John, or of Mark, but he took it from the eyewitness of Peter. And in it, they said that maybe Peter just didn't know his geography, because this map, or this trip that he takes, doesn't make sense. Why would you go on this roundabout way to get to where he ended up at in Decapolis? And they have a couple of different reasons for thinking that he did that. Um, some just say that he was trying to stay away from the Pharisees and the scribes because he had been taking a lot of heat from them. Um, and that maybe he just wanted to stay away from them from a time because a lot of things were getting ready to brew up against him. But then also, he had a little bit of time with his disciples to get away into a Gentile region where not a lot of people would be bothering him to where he could just really pour in to his disciples because he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. But either way, we see that he ends up in the region of Decapolis, which is the area of ten cities. And when Jesus gets to Decapolis, we see that there's a group of men that bring a man to them that is deaf and has a speech impediment. And once again, there's a group begging for a healing. And so what I want us to do this morning is just to take this slow. That's something that I really enjoy is just to take a, a passage of Scripture and let's just walk through this slowly. Let's place ourselves inside of the story, not at the center of it because that's Jesus' place, but to see what we can learn about Jesus in this. So now this story seems a little bit weird with where it is placed. 
It's after the woman um, from Phoenicia and her faith um, that we see the faith that she has in Christ right before we get to this story. And then right after this story is the feeding of the 4,000. And so for this one trip where Jesus travels 110 miles to get to this man that is deaf and has a speech impediment, it seems a little bit strange. Um, and just the story in itself is just a little bit odd. But the beautiful thing is that God has placed this in here for us for a specific reason. And so what that means is that maybe we just need to do a little bit of digging. And that's one of my favorite things to do in Scripture is to start to read commentaries, to read about cultural backgrounds and how the original readers would have heard this and the listeners would have heard this. And it makes the Bible come alive when we start to do that. So it says, Mark says that the man brought to Jesus was deaf and could hardly talk, that he had a speech impediment. A deaf man, um, the term translated deaf can mean deaf, mute, or both. Mark clarifies with the uh, adjective mogi lalo. This is a Greek word. A rare word that means either unable to speak or could speak only with difficulty. The description appears to be the common um, situation in which deafness results in poor or unintelligible speech. The word mogilalos is the key for us here. Appears only here in the New Testament and then once in the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, in the context of a great importance to the meaning of this story. So Mark almost certainly has in mind Isaiah 35.6, a poetic description of the Messianic age. And this is it. Then um, will the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb, mogilalos, or mute, shout for joy. Later rabbis understood this text as fulfilled um, in the age of the Messiah. By using this rare word, Mark echoes this Old Testament passage and places the miracle in an eschatological context. Jesus' healings are evidence of the coming of the kingdom of God. So just doing a little bit of research on this passage can help us see more of what Mark is wanting us to see about Jesus. But what I want us to look at here is just how does Jesus deal with this man? Because I think that there's so much that we can learn from him. Starting in verse 33. So this man is brought before him. He has a speech impediment. He is deaf. And they're asking, begging him to lay his hand on him. And look what Jesus does. It says, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to the man, Ephatha, that is, be open. Okay? So this seems a little bit interesting. Just a little bit about Mark. He moves fast. He doesn't usually stop to give this much detail about different things that Jesus was doing. In Mark 1.25, especially when it came to healings, Jesus healed the boy with an unclean spirit by just rebuking the unclean spirit and calling it out of the boy. Mark 1.30, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law um, from her fever, and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever was gone. Mark 1.40, the man with leprosy, he reached out, touched him, and says, be clean, and he is healed. The paralytic man, he tells him to get up, take his mat, and go home, and he is healed. Why did Jesus go through a longer process with this man? Why does Mark take so much time to understand everything that Jesus was doing? Because I think that there's something that he wants us to learn about Jesus in this. In Scripture, we see many ways that people describe Jesus. We will see the way that people describe, uh, the way he describes himself at the end of this passage. Jesus tells us who he is many times in John, the way, the truth, and the life, the true shepherd. But what are the only adjectives that Jesus ever really used to describe himself? And there's a great book on this. It's by Dane Ortland. It's, it's titled Gentle and Lowly. And it's a book that if you've never read it before, I would encourage you to do so. It comes from Matthew 11, 28 and 30. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That he is gentle and lowly in heart. And I think that that's something that we should just take a moment just to think about. The way that he describes it. He says, gentle, meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Gentle, lowly in heart. I love this. The meaning of the word lowly overlaps with that of gentle, together communicating a single reality about Jesus' heart. The specific word lowly is generally translated humble in the New Testament, such as in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible. For all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. The minimum bar to be enfolded into the embrace of Jesus is simple. Open yourself up to him. It is all he needs. Indeed, it is the only thing he works with. Verse 28 of the passage in Mark, Matthew 11 tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with him. All who labor and are heavy laden. I think that that's important for us to remember, to remember that he is gentle with us, to remember that he is lowly in heart, that all he is asking is for us to open up ourselves to him. It says you don't need to unburden or collect yourself then to come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. His rest is a gift, not transaction. Whether you are actively working hard to crowbar your, crowbar your life into smoothness or passively finding yourself weighed down by something outside of your control, Jesus Christ desires that you find rest and that you come to him out of the storm um, and outstrips of your own. 